How did a traditional product-centric commission-based practice become fee-based? And what can other advisors learn from their process? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode is brought to you by MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions. Employee benefits, property and casualty, and financial professionals all rely on this affordable, easy-to-use, real-time search engine to find their target prospects in both large and small group markets. Visit www.myedge.biz for more information or click on the sponsor link at shiftshapersonline.com. Today we're talking with Mike Grinnell and Kirsten Tudman of CPRHR, and Mike and Kirsten are kind of on the forefront of a shift that a lot of us have been talking about, especially with commission compression, which as we all know is a, an all too real thing for most of us. They're shifting their business model to a consulting-based advisory practice. We thought it'd be a really interesting discussion to have because they're further ahead than most of the producer practices, at least that I've come in contact with. So with that, Mike, Kirsten, welcome to Shift Shapers. Thank you, welcome. David. Well, we're glad to be here. We're glad to share with everybody our thoughts on how things are changing and our ideas. We're glad to have you. A good place to start is how things are changing. In our pre-show interview, you, you described yourself as producers and, and that you take a team selling approach. Talk to me a little bit about your background and so listeners will understand how you got to where you are. Did you start as a more traditional commission-based practice? Yes, both Kirsten and I were actually producers, and then we evolved to agency managers. We both ran two different practices. I ran about a $3 million benefit practice with six producers under me, and then Kirsten ran an agency with, I'll let her fill in the blank, how many she had with her. Um, I ended up with, it's been about 10 years, and had 11 people under me, and then Mike and I both decided when the Affordable Care Act came... Um, that we needed to shift our business into fee-based and consulting business. So ACA was kind of the push? Absolutely. Before that, we had our larger self-funded clients on a fee-based business. So instead of taking the stop-loss commission, we would go with contract of our services and exactly what we were going to do and set a fee to that. But really, the Affordable Care Act was our push to say, wait a minute, these people need more, all of our clients need more background on the Affordable Care Act, and there's really not a product for that out there. And, and David, we had an interesting opportunity. We were asked to speak on health care reform to municipalities and school districts, and that marketplace is very shallow as far as an HR department, so we looked at it as an opportunity. So we started um, in May of 2010 presenting on healthcare reform, and it was great. We had about 100 people in the room with us. We ended up leaving, and then we had, got on the phones and followed up, and lo and behold, we had 12 new business appointments. We're sitting in front of these groups, 
And we have a state health insurance plan here in New York that doesn't recognize brokers or consultants. So there is no commissions or fees that we can earn. We're sitting in front of them and we're explaining what they're going to have to do with healthcare reform in the coming years. And then we said, okay, how are we going to sustain ourselves in this marketplace and generate some revenue? So we sat down and we developed basically an ACA compliance contract. We've been marketing that now for four years and we're getting great success with that. So the aha moment, if, if indeed there was one, was when you were doing that presentation and realized that there was a, a call for providing more consultative services around some of the complexity that ACA had driven? Correct. The municipalities and school districts, they typically have their own homegrown payroll systems. They're not going to adapt to a, an ADP or a paychex. So they have to find a means in order to do this employer reporting. So we started laying the seeds for that back in 2010. And we have a system that will help our clients do that reporting. So you guys started in, in what looks to be kind of a narrow vertical. Is this kind of an arrangement, do you think, applicable to a more traditional, you know, one-off client relationship rather than a school system or those kinds of entities? And do you guys have some of those as clients? Absolutely. Anyone who doesn't have the background or the personnel to keep up with the Affordable Care Act and the daily changes of what's going on and what's required from employers today needs some sort of an assistance, some, similar to like they have a CPA or they have an accountant or somebody who's going to focus just on that, that business. We do have clients that aren't school districts or municipalities, larger Actually, even under anybody over 50 employees really has a lot that they have to do. So we have contracts with them, just keeping them up to date on the changes and what they have to do with their employees. Other areas that, you know, have vertical markets, when you look at the healthcare law that give you opportunities are restaurants, hospitals, um, because you have to do the tracking with healthcare reform. So tracking those 30 hour employees actually makes an opportunity for you to come in and be a consultant and help them measure their employees and uh, charge a fee for that measurement. But you're providing them a service and allowing them to understand what the potential exposure is come 12 months later when the measurement period has evolved. So, I mean, I know one of the questions that, that our listeners will have is across your book of business entirely, are you all fee, fee and commission? Are there some arrangements that are hybrid? What does that look like at this point? Um, right now, about 95% of our book of business is fee. We have actually four groups currently that are, are still on commission. Um, they happen to fall in the middle market of the fully insured world. So that hasn't been eliminated as of yet. But in New York State, our community rating is now going up to 100 starting 1-1, one, one. so things could change. We do have a large group, um, and you have to really look at your book of business and what can happen, but we have a, a group of five or 600 that's owned by a Japanese company who wouldn't do fee-based. So we do get the stop-loss commission built in on their self-funded account. So we really look at each client individually and say, does it work better for you to work it this way or do a fee-based contract. Even with our fully insured people that we get commissioned, we do have service agreements. So the expectations of exactly what we're doing is out there. 
And David, I'll tag on to the end of her statement there. And why we do that is because, you know, we believe that in the future commissions will probably vanish. So if we have a service agreement and we state right in that service agreement, we're, we're going to do these services for you and we're getting paid from this policy to do these services for you. If the commission dries up in that health insurance plan because they eliminate it, then we're, we're going to have that conversation with the group. We're still delivering the services. We share with them how much they paid us year over year, even though it may come from commission. Then we're going to turn around and ex- actually ask that for them to be cut in checks. Now, you mentioned that, that there was one client who would not do a fee arrangement, and that, that's something that always interests me, and, and not with that client specifically, perhaps, but this is a new conversation for most employers. They haven't had this kind of a conversation with their benefits advisors. Take me through what that conversation sounds like and, and what kind of questions or objections um, an advisor might be expecting based on your experience. We'll walk right through that one example. The parent company is in Japan, and we went in there talking about precisely doing a consulting agreement and basically shopping their stop loss, managing their health plan, and and charging a fee. And we showed them they were unaware of what the commission was in their current stop loss. So we got an authorization letter and were able to show them what dollars were there. Then we turned around and um, really had them sold on that consulting agreement. At the last minute, the employer comes back and said, hey, Mike, you know, I really want to do this consulting agreement, but because we're owned by a Japanese company, with an agreement, you become a line item. So whether we believe that your services are valid or not on a consulting agreement, it's better if it's hidden at this present time in that commission. And that, quite honestly, was how that example worked out. Most of the time we see the clients don't have a problem and they would prefer it because, like Mike said, we explain to them what commission is built in there. And we ourselves don't believe that we deserve a raise in the, every time the commission goes up simply because the commission goes up. So we would rather be upfront with our clients and say, this is the commission that's there. This is the fee for our services. And we would rather earn our fees. But is that the conversation? I mean, when you go to an employer, absent the, the cultural differences and perhaps the bookkeeping differences of your Japanese client, when you go to an average client in your area, you guys are up in the upstate New York area, when you go and you talk to a more traditional client, a manufacturing client or what have you, what is that conversation like? Because they're used to paying commissions and not seeing a fee agreement from their advisor. How does that conversation go? Well, you know, it varies from carrier to carrier within New York State and based on how they're filed with the insurance department. Um, the Aetna's, the United Healthcare's of the world, they file the commission schedules with the state of zero to four percent. And our local carrier here in central New York, a Blue Cross plan, they basically have socialized commission in it. So in central New York, where we live, there is no such thing as being able to net out the commission in the business. So what we do that is different than our competitors in central New York is we put that service agreement alongside of it and say that as healthcare 
reform evolves, the commissions may go, but we want to make you fully aware of exactly the services that we're going to provide. So does that mean that you end up with kind of a hybrid while you're taking commissions and also providing services for a fee, or is it generally one or the other? It is generally one or the other, but what we like to do is we like to put that agreement alongside of it so that they see these are the services that we're doing so that they can identify those along the way, and we tell them exactly where we're getting paid. I see. So what you're doing is you're explaining what all your deliverables are and the value that those deliverables add, even though you're being compensated on the other side of the of the agreement, on the commission side for the time being. Would that be a fair statement? That is correct. Okay. Now, I, I know that in a lot of states, when advisors start talking about this fee-based discussion, that they get caught up in these 1950s and 60s anti-rebating statutes. Your law in New York is a little bit different, but you may have clients out of state. Have you run into that? Do you have a suggestion for how those advisors might move forward? Well, absolutely know your state laws um, that you're practicing in and do what's best for the client. I'm a firm believer that fees are the best place to be. Even on stop loss, when you see large claims, you know, you got a stop loss trend of 15% or more. Getting a 15% raise and having them not having a bad year of claims isn't justified just for shopping at one time a year. So doing a side-by-side comparison while you're going, doing the quote once a year, is that worth 15%? I'd rather earn more services from the group and outline and have them pay me for those services and deliver value. And now a word from our sponsor, MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions. Want to find prospects in your area without cold calling, but with a warm introduction from a network relationship or from the prospect's accounting firm? How about finding companies that are out of compliance on their Form 5500 filing? What if you could find prospects that are paying more than standard compensation for their products and services? It can be difficult to find dependable business intelligence for both large and small group markets. With MyEdge, you'll have the ultimate unfair advantage. MyEdge makes it easy to create a pipeline of only qualified leads. You'll set yourself apart from the crowd when you know how to build a targeted value-add strategy for the companies you want to work with. Clients and prospects always appreciate when their benefits consultants take the time to understand their employee benefits before they meet. Don't act and sound like everyone else. Learn more about this innovative prospecting solution by visiting www.myedge.biz or by clicking the sponsor link at shiftshapersonline.com. Do you guys have kind of a, when you're talking to a prospect or a client, do you guys have a, a menu of services, for lack of a better term, where you explain all the different things you are able to do and able to provide and then make suggestions as to what gets tailored in for a particular client? Absolutely, because every client needs different services. So we have a list, just like you said, and they can choose which services are going to fit them best, or they can get an all-encompass, obviously, um, discount. So what are your clients asking you for? You know, when a client's proactive and says, you know, I know I I need more than just somebody spreadsheeting a bunch of products, what are you hearing them ask you for? Because that's something we've been talking about a little bit on the podcast. Absolutely. The biggest thing people are asking for is the Affordable Care Act consulting. And we have probably 
85% of our business is strictly Affordable Care Act consulting. Most of that is, again, in the schools and municipalities, but several um, of our large clients also have that built in to their fees. We do everything from Affordable Care Act, from going through their HR policies to make sure they're compliant, all the way through union meetings, Cadillac tax projections, and making sure that those are working well. Yeah, and one of the things, an example of a case study, we took a city that we did a Cadillac tax projection for them. And basically what we wanted to do is is shift their thinking. They were offering a HRA and they were funding it with $350 for an individual and $700 for a family. What that dollar amount was for is for dental and vision coverage. Well, when we looked at their medical plan and then added the HRA dollar amounts together, it was going to cause roughly a $100,000 Cadillac tax. So we started investigating a freestanding dental and vision plan. And we were able to find a $1,500 calendar year max for each individual on the dental, full vision program, and for the $350 for an individual, and $700 for the family on a calendar year. So we encouraged them to buy the insurance because that would avoid the Cadillac tax. And we got into discussions with the unions, the unions at first, because they had negotiated for this benefit. It was theirs. And management took the idea first, went to the unions. They were unsuccessful because, again, they felt that management was just trying to take something away. We stepped back into discussion and carried on some education meetings for the unions. And the unions endorsed it. They implemented it 1-1. And they've got a lot better benefits. And we've actually taken what really an opportunity of healthcare reform and how Cadillac tax is written and it was going to be an employer expense and delivered it so that the expense wouldn't be there, but the benefits delivered to the union were better. Interesting. Really, really interesting fix. I mean, you know, for, for those listeners who have not operated in the Taft-Hartley environment, as you guys know, because I know you, that's a significant portion of your practice, that management labor dynamic is always a very interesting one to navigate. We've got about a minute and a half left, and I'm always interested when we're talking to folks who are kind of out on the edge, as you guys are in leading, what do you see in the future? And, and you can define that as the next couple of years or five years if you're bold enough to go out that way. What does it look like from where you guys are sitting? Well, we absolutely see the shift from commissions to fee-based across the industry. Commissions are getting smaller and more people want to see what they're getting for those dollars. And as commissions go away, the traditional brokers are going to have to prove what they do and feel comfortable collecting fees. Mike, anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? You know, I 100% agree with her, but I think we as an industry have to get from a service perspective, the more that you engage and understand the Affordable Care Act, the more that you'll actually see there are opportunities for those who want to be that consultant, be that advisor that's going to help them navigate this ever-changing law. We've got a presidential election that could actually change how a Cadillac tax could be in the future. It could be an imputed income tax. So 
the more you stay involved in those things and the more you're there to be a partner alongside of your employer, the longer you'll stay employed receiving fees. Yeah, not not to mention all the fun we're going to have between now and that election with, with little things like King v. Burwell. Any thoughts around you know where that might come out and what the fallout might be? Well, we uh, belong to an association called National Association of Health Underwriters. We were down in Washington and in February, and one of the things that they discussed was that basically the administration is already going out to the states and making it much easier for the federally facilitated states to become a state-based exchange, even though they're going to be doing, the federal government's still going to be doing the processing. And then we also heard when we were down in Washington that the Republicans have already got a Depending on how it comes, if it says that the decision is going to be to stop the subsidies in the federally facilitated states, then the Republicans say, we just can't throw 11.7 million people out with no insurance. We're going to have to put a fix in there to extend the subsidies in order to um, be able to find a different solution that we can bring to the table. So I don't think, regardless of what the decision is, that it's going to change very much. I think there's, it's going to go up and down. Um, but the Affordable Care Act isn't going to go away, is what we believe. You know, it, it's like that old curse, may you live in interesting times. And, and maybe that's a great place to wrap it up. Mike Grinnell, Kirsten Tudman of CPIHR, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience today. Thank you. Thank you. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltsmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Ship Shapers to work in your business.